0: Invite you as you're getting settled there to pull out your Lenten devotions. They look like this. It's called Teach Us to Pray, and you'll notice each day through the week there are Bible readings and activities and prayers. This is a great Bible study for you or for you and your family. They're designed to be simple enough so children can lead them. They're designed to be profound enough so that even adults take meaning and and find devotional time and experience with the Holy Spirit of God in your quiet time each day. So please use these, and I commend it to you. They have been prepared for you, so we hope that you will use them. Our scripture reading for this fourth Sunday of Lent is from John chapter 8, and we're going to read verses 31 through 36. I invite you to follow along in your Bible or in the Pew Bible. John 8:31 through 36, and I'll be reading from the New Revised Standard Version. Then Jesus said to the Jews who had believed in him, If you continue in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will make you free. They answered him, We are descendants of Abraham and have never been slaves to anyone. What do you mean by saying you will be made free? Jesus answered them, Very truly I tell you, everyone who commits sin is a slave to sin. The slave does not have a permanent place in the household, but the son has a place there forever. So if the son makes you free, you will be free indeed. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Brothers and sisters, welcome to the fourth Sunday of Lent. This is the season when we remember and give thanks for the sacrifice of Jesus Christ because he gave his life in exchange for hours. And so fully appreciating this gift which we receive from God leads us into a season of honesty and introspection. Lent is the time when we come face to face with the reality of our humanity, that God is holy and yet we are sinful, that we have disobeyed God, that we have hurt the people we love, that we live with this sickness, with this condition Every day of our lives which causes us to do and to say horrible things. And that even when we try not to, still we do these things that grieve the Spirit of God. Even when we do our best, still we fail to do the things that we ought to do in response to Jesus' invitation to come and follow. In other words, we are trapped. Sin keeps us captive Jesus said everyone who commits sin is a slave to sin everyone who commits sin which means everyone is a slave to sin all of us old and young believer and unbeliever we are all subject to this powerful force let me try to show you what I mean I'm fascinated by castles. How about you? Do you ever enjoyed checking out castles? I wonder if you've ever visited any castles in Europe or in England. One of the most fascinating castles across the pond is known as the Tower of London. It was built by William the Conqueror in the 11th century, and it was used as a home for kings and queens, and it was used as a prison. In his memoir, the theologian Frederick Buechner Beekner talks about the oldest part of the Tower of London known as the White Tower. And that's the corner of the, of the tower that you see right there in front of you. The second floor of the White Tower contains a small chapel. It is a place of connection with God. It is bare, it is simple, it is silent, it is still. Beekner says you cannot enter the chapel without being struck by a sense of purity and peace in that place but just beneath the chapel is a very different place in the tower and i wonder if you can guess what it is the dungeon just below the chapel is the dungeon and it is not light and beautiful but it is dark and it is cold and it is incredibly tiny the dungeon is basically a stone box measuring four feet by four feet by four feet. Not even enough room to stand up, not even enough room to lay down. The heavy oak door blocks out all the light. No fresh air to breathe, no room to move. So can you picture it in your mind, inside of the white tower, the peaceful chapel up top, full of light, the dark and cold and scary dungeon underneath? Now, friends, here's the thing. This is us. We are the white tower. The truth about our lives is this, the possibility of peace, the reality of captivity to sin. And instead of spending most of our lives upstairs in the peaceful chapel full of light and life, we often find ourselves down in the dungeon captive to sin Afraid. Scared. Scared that that someday our secrets will be found out. Scared that uh, we'll never measure up because we have sinned against the living God. And on some level we live in fear perhaps that God will finally one day chase us down and wag a divine finger in our face and say to us, How could you? After all I've given to you, God might say, How could you? And anything, it seems to us, even living in the dungeon, seems better than an encounter with God like that. And so we feel alone and afraid and trapped. Jesus said, everyone who commits sin is a slave to sin. No wonder we feel trapped in the dungeon. Everyone who commits sin is a slave to sin. But... But, brothers and sisters, and this is where the light of God's love begins to penetrate that heavy oak door behind which we sit. But, if the Son makes you free, you will be free indeed. Dear friends, this is the good news. We can be set free. We can be set free. Jesus said, if you continue in my word, you are truly my disciples. And you will know the truth, and the truth will make you free. If you continue in my word, you are truly my disciples. You will know the truth, and the truth will make you free. We all want freedom, don't we? We long for it. We wish for it. We can even imagine it. And this is the promise of Jesus Christ for us. We can be free. We can be set free of slavery to sin. We can be set free of our fear We can be set free of our tyranny of self-centeredness. We can be set free of a life of meaninglessness. Jesus can set us free. But how does this freedom come to us? How do we break out of the dungeon and make our way up to the peaceful chapel that is full of light and life? Well, let's look at these words together. These words of Jesus. Work backwards with me, if you would. Starting with freedom at the end. Jesus promises freedom. And where does freedom come from? It comes from the truth. The truth. Jesus says the truth will make you free. But not just the truth in black and white. Not just the truth printed on these pages. But the knowledge of the truth. Jesus said you will know the truth. And the truth will make you free. Now how is it that we can know the truth? Shall we make it up for ourselves? Shall we decide what's true for you and what's true for me? No, friends. Jesus said, you are my disciples and you will know the truth. Brothers and sisters, knowing the truth comes from following Jesus. Knowing the truth comes from being a disciple. It is from following Jesus we learn the truth about God and the truth about ourselves and what is the mark of a disciple jesus said those who continue in my word if you continue in my word you are truly my disciples well what does that mean well surely it means those who live out the word of god that is the scriptures but not only that it means those who live out jesus teaching and his example which means disciples are those who live the way jesus lived disciples are those who do the father's will even as jesus did the father's will disciples are those who love the people jesus loves those who take up their cross those who put the will of god first those who follow jesus and accept him as their lord and as their savior disciples are those who know the truth you see friends The truth that sets us free is not some nebulous idea that's only out there in the atmosphere. The truth is something that we can know. It is something we can experience. It is something we can accept. And it is something that we can share with others. You see, the truth is a person. Brothers and sisters, the truth is a person. The truth is Jesus Himself. He is the embodiment of the truth of God's Word. Jesus said, I am the way, and I am the truth, and I am the life. There is a way to discover freedom. There is a way out of the dungeon, brothers and sisters. Freedom comes through the crucifixion and resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. And what I want to talk with you about this morning is how we can access this freedom how we can access this freedom by discovering the truth the truth about God and the truth about ourselves during Lent our sermon series is called teach us to pray and this week our focus is on the prayer of self examination the prayer of self examination now what does that mean well I realize a lot of you are teachers and students so let me put you at ease when we say examination, we do not mean test. Okay, we are not talking about the final exam. So everybody just take a deep breath. Okay? What we mean by examination is searching and learning. We mean examination in the sense of exploration, like an astronaut exploring the heavens. We mean examination in the sense of discovery, like a biologist discovering the anatomy of a tree frog and what is it that we are hoping to explore and what is it that we are hoping to discover by this kind of examination two things First, the presence of god in our lives the presence of god in our lives this is what we call the prayer of consciousness and second we hope to discover those hidden parts of our souls that need to be cleansed and need to be healed, and this is what we call the prayer of conscience. The prayer of consciousness and the prayer of conscience. Are you with me so far? Okay, again, you nod your head. All right, good. It's been said that Methodists are, are those who smile as loud as they can when they hear something they like in the sermon. All right. First is the prayer of consciousness. Consciousness simply means awareness. This is the practice of the awareness of God's presence. We believe, friends, and Scripture testifies to the truth that God is always with us, right? God is everywhere in this world, and God is always with us. There's two theological ideas that we give to this, uh, this idea of consciousness and awareness of God's presence. One is transcendence, and one is imminence. Transcendence and immanence. Transcendence means we encounter a God who is transcendent, who is huge and big and mighty and powerful and awesome, that God is above and beyond us. God exists outside of us and of this world. God cannot be contained in this place. God cannot be contained in our lives or in our hearts. God exists beyond time and space. God transcends time and space. God is huge. God is transcendent. Therefore, God is big enough to handle all the things that worry us. And yet at the same time, the mystery of God is not only God is transcendent, God is also imminent. God is here. God is nearby. God is in you and in me. God exists within time and space. God lives in this world. God lives in your heart God is nearby. God is close. God is present. God is the one who walks with us through this life. Which means, therefore, God is close enough to hear our prayers. Transcendence and eminence. God is everywhere. God is right here with us. My friends, this is the good news of God. God is big enough to handle all the things that trouble us. God is near enough to be our constant companion we know that God is always with us and so look with me at Psalm 139 where can I go from your spirit where can I flee from your presence if I go up to the heavens you are there if I make my bed in the depths you are there if I rise on the wings of the dawn if I settle on the far side of the sea even there your hand will guide me God is with us anywhere we go. We could not get away from God even if we tried, dear friends. God is here right now. And yet, and yet, I would guess if we're honest, sometimes we would say it seems like God is close by, and sometimes it seems like God is far away. So the question is, how are we cultivating an awareness of God's presence? How is it that we are paying attention to the ways that God is at work in our lives? Let me suggest to you that the more we look, the more we will notice. The more we look for God's presence in our lives, the more we will notice all the many ways that God is moving and living and giving us life. Now, if this sounds complicated or it sounds unusual, let me assure you it is not. Maybe God was present in the beautiful sunrise that you saw the other morning. Maybe God was present with you in your quiet time as you opened your Bible and drank your hot cup of coffee and said, God, thank you for the possibilities of this day. Maybe God was with you when you thought of a friend who you needed to reach out to that you hadn't heard from in a while. Maybe God was present when your obnoxious neighbor was being obnoxious again and you were reminded that even he is Jesus for you and you need to love him the way you love Jesus. My friends, we need to practice an awareness of God's presence and we can keep it simple. At the McMullen household, one of the things we do is at the end of the day at the dinner table, we share highs and lows. And we ask each other, what was the high part of your day today? And what was the low part of your day today? And then we say, where did you see God at work today? And do you know an extraordinary thing? Even children can practice an awareness of the presence of God in their lives. Friends, this is the prayer of consciousness. The flip side of this kind of examination is the prayer of conscience. The prayer of conscience so if the prayer of consciousness is the practice of an awareness of God's presence then the prayer of consciousness, excuse me the prayer of conscience is the awareness of the condition of our souls. An awareness of the condition of our souls. The simple but challenging practice of searching our hearts and inviting the Lord to come in and to do the same. The practice of conscience Sounds like this. Look with me again at Psalm 139. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my thoughts. See if there is anything wicked in me and lead me in the way everlasting. I wonder if we could pray this prayer without putting up our defenses so that we would allow God to come into our hearts to search us and to know us and that's the hard part right because you know there's some part of us we might rather not show to God or to the world there's some part of us that we might rather keep hidden away but it's for our benefit that we ask because we know there is some part of us that needs healing our souls need forgiveness and we know that only God can offer us that kinda forgiveness through the grace of Jesus Christ. Friends, we need God's help to get this right. Because left to our own devices, we tend toward one extreme or another. And on the one hand, we have a hundred excuses about why it's not really our fault. And on the other hand, we are convinced that we are so far gone that we could never be forgiven. My friends, neither one is true. We are guilty, yes, but no one is beyond the scope of God's redemption. Nothing can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. And so our honest confession and deep self-reflection is always met with an outpouring of the grace of God into our lives. Not that this is without pain. Acknowledging our sin can be a very painful thing to do but we are invited to allow that painful inward burning to to become a purifying fire that cleanses us and makes us new again our methodist founder john wesley had a, a rigorous practice of self-examination of his conscience every evening he would ask himself a series of questions about himself and his honest answers to those questions allowed him to open up so God could search him, so God could know his heart, so God could transform his heart and make him into the kind of person that God was creating him to be. Now, the amazing thing about John Wesley is that he not only thought about these questions for himself, he also shared the answers to those questions with his Christian brothers and sisters. And he gathered every week in a small group in a life group, with other followers of Jesus. And you know what they did together? They confessed their sins to one another. That's an extraordinary thing, isn't it? Most of us are not too eager to tell other people the truth about ourselves. We were talking about this in our life group the other week. And we agreed that it's very scary. (laughs) That it's a very vulnerable thing to do to open ourselves, to confess our sins to each other but we also acknowledge the kind of power that is in that sharing. Friends, imagine that we created a community at Timberlake where we could share our deepest hurts, our most profound shortcomings, but without fear because we knew and understood that in the sharing of those sins, what we would receive in response would be forgiveness and grace and the mercy of God that comes to us through our brothers and our sisters. Imagine the kind of community that we could create if we trusted God, if we trusted each other that much to confess our sin and to receive forgiveness in Jesus' name. Can you imagine the difference that would make in your life? Listen to some of the questions that Wesley and the members of his small group would ask themselves Am I honest in all of my acts and words, or do I exaggerate? Did the Bible live in me today? When did I last speak to someone else about my faith? Do I pray about the money that I spend? Do I grumble or complain constantly? <laughs> Tell the truth. <laughs> Is Christ real to me? My friends, can I tell you something? There's not very many sure things in this life, but here is a sure thing. If you ask yourself those questions every day for the next month, you will be a changed person. I guarantee it. The Spirit of God will move in your life and in your heart, and you will be different because you have opened yourself to the transformative work of God in your life. I want to encourage you to ask yourself these questions. I want to encourage you to ask one another these kinds of questions in your life group. My friends, we are being transformed into the image of Jesus Christ. So this is the prayer of consciousness and this is the prayer of conscience. And let me acknowledge that this is hard to do, but when it is hard, remember the outcome is freedom. The goal of this kind of examination is freedom. As we look ahead to Good Friday and to Easter, maybe there's another way to think about that dungeon in the Tower of London. I wonder if you remember where the disciples were on Easter Sunday night. After the resurrection, Jesus has been raised from the dead, except they didn't know it yet, then they weren't sure whether they could believe in Jesus' promises about life after death, they were hiding in a locked room. They were trapped by fear, by uncertainty, and the image of the disciples hiding in that room, afraid, that describes all of us, doesn't it? We are like the disciples. We are locked in a dark and scary place. We are trapped because just like them, we are deniers. And just like them, we are betrayers. And just like them, we have failed to live up to the high calling of Jesus Christ. And when we talk about the reality of our human condition, we don't just mean that you and I do bad things every once in a while. We are talking about the condition of our souls that we are sinful people. But brothers and sisters, this is the good news. And this is the grace of God, because as the disciples hid in that dark and scary place, who showed up except Jesus himself? Jesus broke into that locked room. And when he came into that room, remember, he did not accuse his friends and say, how could you? And he did not scold them and he did not find fault or humiliate. Instead, He offered peace. He said, peace be with you. He said, my peace I give to you. He offered them forgiveness. He offered them reconciliation. He offered them healing. If you continue in my word, you are truly my disciples and you will know the truth. And the truth will make you free. Brothers and sisters, you can know the truth and the truth will make you free but remember the truth is a person Jesus is the way and the truth and the life you see plenty of people want to know the truth without sitting at the feet of the teacher and plenty of people want healing without making an appointment with the great physician And plenty of people want freedom without seeking after the One who has the keys. Brothers and sisters, this is what Jesus Christ can do for you. If you would open your heart and allow Him to plunge the depths of your soul, you will know the truth and the truth will make you free. Let God's people say, Amen.